We've spent a lot of time focusing on the ballot this election, all four ballot measures, and the impact of the quorum court. But it's also worth noting the top executive position in Arkansas is being filled during this election, and it will not be by an incumbent. We reached out to both the Democrat candidate, Chris Jones, as well as Republican candidate, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, for an interview on natural election. Sarah Huckabee Sanders' campaign did not return our calls, but we did hear from Chris Jones. And so today, on Natural Election, you'll hear KUAF's news director, Kyle Kellams, interviewing Chris Jones. Why run for governor? You're doing a walking tour yeah. in the hottest summer oh, yeah. in 10 years. Oh, yeah. What propels you to do this? Well, you know, I work backwards. The reason, the reason to do the walking tour is because we have to meet folks where they are. You know, it was always about neighbors walking with neighbors. I recall as a child, I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, uh, sitting on my grandparents' porch drinking tea. Uh, my grandmother was the oldest of 11, so a master chef herself. So you'd always smell the good food coming from the kitchen. Uh, but The porch was a time to have good conversation, to have dialogue and to grow together. Um, And I equate that to seeing neighbors walking in the neighborhood. Uh, So that's why we're doing the walks. Uh, I'm going to all 75 counties to walk with neighbors and have these conversations. Now, the the reason why I'm even in this race in the first place uh, actually goes back to an interaction I had when I was eight years old. Yep, my dad took me from the mall in Pine Bluff, and he sold insurance, so he would always drive around in different places, and sometimes he would take us with him. And so he took me to the mall in Little Rock, and as we were walking around, we bumped into none other than then Governor Bill Clinton. And as is typical, when I interacted with him, I was fascinated. You know, here I am, an eight-year-old kid. You know, this big, you know, demanding figure is talking to me and spending time with me. Uh, and also in typical fashion, he got interrupted. Uh, he stopped and turned and talked to the other person. But he came back and talked with us, and he picked up at the very next word that he left off on. And I'll never forget that. So at, at that time, I was so fascinated by it because he heard me. I felt seen. I felt valued. Uh, and by the way, I didn't come from a family that, uh, that lacked any of that. We had an abundance of love and abundance of care, but it stood out. And so I asked my dad, what does he do? And my dad said, he's a governor. I said, as any eight-year-old would say, I said, what's a governor? And he said, go look it up. And we had to go home to the Encyclopedia Britannica and pull out G. And I found out as I looked through that a governor could serve people, could make a difference in their lives, and could solve problems. Uh, I always loved solving problems. And I was always told by my family growing up that we had to use our gifts to help serve others. So to me, it was a perfect marriage. And I decided at eight that I wanted to come back home and run for governor and serve as governor. You mentioned problems. Arkansas has some challenges. Yes, we do. Uh, broadband being broadband one of them, big, yep. um, especially for rural yes. and 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 you know underrepresented populations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can we make that better? We absolutely can. Now, look, I um I had the privilege and honor of working at NASA, and uh, NASA was able to get a man on the moon, and a rover on Mars. Uh, and now NASA's moving towards getting the first woman on the moon. All right, so we can do the, the challenging. We can do the difficult. 
So if we can do that, we can certainly get broadband all, all across the state. The technology is there. The will needs to be there to do it. Uh, that's one of the many areas that we focus on. And you know, as you know, our agenda is spreading PB&J across the whole state. Uh, and PB&J is preschool, broadband, and jobs. And we need high-quality pre-K. Uh, we need high-quality education. Uh, and the reason pre-K is so important is because we know that the research shows kids who go to pre-K are more likely to read by third grade. And reading at grade level is key more likely to graduate on time, more likely to have a living wage job, which that becomes an expanded tax base, and less likely to go to prison. So pre-K is important. Broadband is important. It also ties to infrastructure. You mentioned the heat. You know, our farmers are struggling now. Um, some of that has to do with our aquifer and water infrastructure. Um, and so our levee systems need to be addressed and deferred maintenance issues and our roads and bridges. But broadband is key. And of course, jobs. You know, we need real economic development in places that have been forgotten and left out. How do we do this? I mean, uh, yeah. we do have a record surplus right now, um, but a lot of money has to, you know, in the annual budget has to go to prisons, has to go to education. It's our, Do we have the wherewithal to, to make improvements in infrastructure, get broadband widely? You know, I, I believe we do. I believe, the, again, the question is, do we have the will? Do we have the, 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 the solution is there? The will has to be there to implement the solution. You know, as you mentioned, we have a record surplus, $1.6 billion, uh, projected to have a $1 billion surplus next year. Um, you know, should the marijuana ballot initiative pass, uh, that's additional revenue that will come in. Uh, so unlike times past, we're in a moment where we actually do have the resources to solve some of the problems that are pressing and that face us. The question is, are we willing to step up and do it now and make the investment now so that we don't have to worry about it 20, 30, 40 years from now? For example, you know, we, we talk about broadband that needs to be expanded. We also have deferred maintenance in school buildings that has been deferred maintenance for decades. Uh, and not only that, we have deferred maintenance in our social services. You know, I was having a conversation with the Department of Human Services, and one of the things that's a challenge are kids where we've identified that there's an issue or we haven't identified there's an issue early on, and over time it only compounds. And so now you have 18 to 24-year-olds where the, the challenge in the family has compounded, and many families are saying, look, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with it, so the state has to deal with it. That's a cost we're going to have to pay later. I think it's better to make the investment now to address the deferred maintenance, uh, to invest in the long term so we don't have to worry about it later. When you say the question is, do we have the will? Is that voters? Is that legislature? Is that government leaders? Yeah, it's all of that. You know, I think it's the, do the voters have the will uh, to vote for some folks who have the desire, the experience, the vision, and the, and the, and the passion to actually dive in and address the challenges uh, in a way that supports all our Kansans? Uh, it's incumbent upon our elected officials uh, to really focus on the things that matter, to get past the partisanship, the division, the, 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 the blame throwing and say, look, how do we make sure that every family has access to broadband? Every child has access to a high quality education and everyone that wants a job that they can actually live on where I can work a full week and still keep a roof over my head, that they have access to that. Uh, yes, um, but that isn't always the conversation that we have. Yeah. Um, well, I would say it depends on who the we is, well, right? Okay. So, you know, we've we've visited all seventy five counties. 
we're doing walks in all 75 counties now, one mile. And we've engaged with at least 500 um, citizens, Arkansans across the state. In those conversations, people are talking about how do we solve the problems that we face. And we've had Democrats, independents, Republicans, libertarians, no party affiliation. And it's a conversation about what, what are the challenges and how can we come together to address those challenges? So I, I, I dare I say that Arkansans are having the conversations about how to do it and their local solutions that are working. It's those that we've trusted to make decisions for, for everyone who are distracted. Tax cuts, right? Yeah. We, record surplus. We've got accelerated tax cuts that, yeah. as you and I talk, look like they will be approved in this special yeah. session. Um, tax cuts sound great. Yeah, absolutely. More money in my pocketbook. Sure does sound great. Should we should we concentrate on tax cuts as well as infrastructure and? Uh, look, we can walk and chew gum. <laughs> we can do it, and we we can do both. And certainly, um, folks are feeling the pain at the pump. They're feeling the pain at the grocery store. Uh, what what I could buy seven months ago, uh, now I can barely afford to buy. So. There, there is a justification and a reason um, to address tax cuts. Now, the problem is we have some folks who want to cut our income tax down to zero. And the income tax is 55% of our state budget. So my question is, when you eliminate 55% of the state budget, how do you take care of housing needs? How do you take care of Medicare? How do you take care of uh, education? How do you take care of our police, fire? I can go on and on and on, things that really matter for our state's budget. Now, I, I contend that, yeah, you can ease the pain by you, certainly various tax cuts, including sales tax or property tax. These are things that will continue to juice the economy, uh, but in a way that actually benefits a much broader set of folks. So I'm not opposed to tax cuts. I would love it. And the math has to add up. So unless we're addressing and dealing with the things that are on our expense side, and then we have to be very thoughtful about what we do about reducing our revenue side. The Department of Corrections takes a, yep. a, a large part of our um, budget. Uh, a new prison is being built. Mm-hmm. There are people who argue, let's do less incarceration. Let's let's examine ways that we right. keep people out. As governor, what would you try to lead when it comes to corrections and prisons? I mean, I'm, look, I'm certainly in the camp of uh, we need to reduce the flow into the prison system. And when folks leave the criminal justice system in Arkansas, we need to make sure they're not coming back in. Right? So let's make investments on those ends. And then we can focus on the folks who, who need to be in there for justified reasons, um, and they can have the space and the resources they need. So what do I mean by that? Pre-K. You know, pre-K is a uh, you're less likely to go to prison if you have access to quality pre-K. Um, reading by great by third grade and reading at grade level those are predictors of whether or not you will end up in prison. Economic development in areas that have traditionally been left out. You know, our communities. You know, one of the one of the reasons why you get into mess is if you don't have a stable job that's bringing you the income you need in order to address the needs of your family. Uh, so, real economic development is why our spreading PB and J agenda uh, is actually very relevant to this conversation around criminal justice. Because when you bring education and economic development to areas that have been left out. Uh, that's how you ensure that the flow is reduced 
in terms of going into the system. And then there are a ton of programs that work well for making sure that when people come out of the prison system, they stay out. One example is when I worked at the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub, we had something called the Skills to Launch Program. Ten-week certification, roofing, welding, HVAC, and carpentry. In those 10 weeks, they got a certification. Uh, They then used it for upskilling, used it for new jobs, used it for entrepreneurship. Well, we were having conversations with the Department of Corrections about bringing that program to folks who are about to reenter because you know six well before six months before they're about to reenter that they will come back in. People who have a job are much less likely to go back into the prison system. There are examples of things that we can do to reduce the inflow uh, and make sure there's not a return, uh, which then means that we can use those resources not for prisons, but for things that actually keep communities together. We'll be right back. You're listening to a podcast produced by KUAF, your public radio station for more than three decades. Hello, I'm Timothy Dennis. KUAF's on-air programming features the latest news from NPR, with shows like All Things Considered, 1A, and Here and Now, locally hosted music programs on the weekend that you won't find online, local newscasts every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30, updates on events happening throughout the KUAF listening area, and more. To listen, tune your radio to 91.3 FM, visit our website, KUAF.com, or tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. I imagine when Asa Hutchinson first went into office seven years ago, <laughs> on his list was not how to deal with a pandemic, oh, right? You can sure. go into office and you're throwing a curveball yeah. sooner or later. What sort of experience do you have that will help you with that curveball? Yeah, you know that, that was a, a global curveball that came fast and furious, and uh, and and kept curving as it was yeah. coming. So you know, I, look, still I, curving. It's still know, curving, yeah. exactly. Um, I, I applaud Governor Hutchinson for what he's done. Uh, you know, it there there is no one who can say that before the pandemic they would have had the exact answer on how to deal with it. Um, my wife is the state medical director for disaster preparedness, so she's been in the mix in those conversations about how we address and deal with it. In my own background, I am my PhD is in urban planning, so really thinking about large-scale systems and how they interact with society. Um, I am an engineer by training, so understanding not only how to address problems where we know all of the the givens and the facts and the details, but equally important, the unknown. And my time working at NASA is, is a great example of that because there are moments when you have to have a solution, you have to solve the problem, but you don't know all the details involved, and you could certainly get thrown a curveball in a, in a heartbeat. Uh, so my training has been around understanding how to stay focused, um, you know, assess the situation, and develop a solution that actually will work. So I think all of that comes to bear. And I've also run multiple organizations. And, you know, anyone who's run an organization and managed people and managed budgets, um, I was running the Arkansas Regional Innovation Hub during COVID. I remember March 13th, we all had to go home. Now, we had an average of five to 600 people in person in our building on a weekly basis and immediately had to pivot to virtual. Well, we made the pivot. Um, it took teamwork. It took coming together. And it took hard work to make that pivot. And within two weeks, we were all virtual. And then we were also supplying PPE, personal protective equipment, uh, to Arkansans across the state. So 
I've done it before. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that there won't be the unexpected. And here's where I think the X factor, the, the secret sauce is, and that's in just bringing people together. You know, regardless of your party affiliation, um, regardless of your background, uh, we have experts that are of all elks and hues, and they have to be brought together. And that's one of the things that always been consistent in my life of being able to bring folks together who have the experience and expertise, but who are varied and including them in the solution set. You mentioned you've talked to a lot of Arkansans on this walking tour. Mm-hmm. We are in a polarized, politicized mm-hmm. uh, time. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, how do you get people to not just have conversations, but no matter where they are, um, uh, which side of the aisle they're on, to vote? Yeah. You know, that's um, <laughs> if if I had the absolute solution, I'd write a book. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, but that being said. Uh, we we do know what works in terms of human interaction. You know, we are often moved to action by our experiences, which is why we're going all over the state. Because when, when we engage with our Kansans directly and they realize that you have a candidate and a campaign that deeply cares about all our Kansans, and I'm a seventh-generation Arkansan, I would not have been able to be who I am if not for Arkansas and not for what was poured into me. So people realize that. And they also realize that we're in a moment. And our moment is a moment where we can choose a direction that is focused on all our Kansans or choose a direction that's focused on some subset of our Kansans. That is a motivating factor. Um, And when you layer that on with the real conversations we're having, I was in Louisville and met met a guy named Jim. Jim had a cut off plaid shirt, a hat on, and if you looked at him, you say, okay, that's somebody that wouldn't vote for a Democrat and certainly wouldn't vote for Chris Jones, a black man. But as I walked by him, I put my hand on his shoulder and said, hey, Jim. Hey, not to say, hey, Jim, because I didn't know his name at the time. I said, hey, I'm Chris Jones, uh, and I'm running for governor, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. We talked, and within two minutes, he said, I just want my asphalt fixed. That's it. Like, I don't care about all the other stuff. I just need, I need the roads to be working so that I'm not paying for re- repairs on my car and I don't have to wait when the flag folks are holding me up. Uh, and in that conversation, not only was I able to talk about PB&J, the B in PB&J is broadband, which is, uh, which is really infrastructure and roads and bridges, but also able to connect him with some folks I was having lunch with, uh, including the mayor of the town. And through that connection, he saw that there were some resources he had, he had access to and information he didn't know about that he was able to get. And he turned around and said, hey, you know, I appreciate you. Thank you for talking to me. You have my support. And I believe he'll show up to vote, not because of any fear, not because of any national narrative, but because somebody cared enough to have a conversation with him and actually do something about the thing that mattered to him. Finally, the next governor of Arkansas, all the governors of Arkansas yeah. so far have looked like me. They have. The next governor will not. That's true. No offense to white men who are running as libertarians right. or independents. <laughs> but we have a woman and yes. a black man yep. running for governor. One of the two of you will be governor. That's, That's right. Historic. Yeah. You know, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a special moment in Arkansas. Um, I think it's a special moment when Arkansas can show the nation and the world who we really are. Uh, that that if you look at our history, there have been moments where we've been the leader. Uh, and in this moment, we can and will be the leader. Um, now, 
the vision for what Arkansas can be and how we get there is very different uh, and, contra- and contrasting. The experience that we bring to bear is very different and contrasting. Um, but, but I would say that I think Arkansas is certainly ready uh, to elect its first rocket scientist uh, and its first African-American. Anything else you'd like to say? I give this to all the candidates I interview. Well, you know, I'd say, first of all, thank you for giving me the time uh, to share. Uh, I'd say I'm excited about the future of Arkansas. Uh, I'd say that I'm excited that Arkansans are really coming together to address some of the challenges that we face. Uh, And as the father of three girls, uh, I am excited about working nonstop to create an Arkansas where they are as proud to be in Arkansas as I am. Uh, and where their children's children will feel great about the place that is home. Chris Jones, thank you so much for your time. Be well. Thank you. Don't forget that early voting has officially started in Arkansas. If you need a list of locations in your county to vote in Northwest Arkansas, you can head to KUAF.com vote for more information. And of course, if you're outside of that region, we have a link to VoterView on there as well. You can use that site to find more details about where you can vote and your sample ballot. Natural Election is hosted by me, Matthew Moore, and Daniel Carruth. We're a production of KUAF Public Radio and Ozarks at Large. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.